Thanks for tuning into today's episode. We have a lot to talk about from Pete Davidson's ridiculous scandal with Emily Ratajkowski to Elon Musk's Twitter nightmare and even Trump's re-election plans. Let's get into this one. You're listening to The Daily Dose with Barris. Pop culture, current events, politics, and the latest controversies. If it has a headline, I have something to say about it. So, welcome to the show. Jumping straight into this with entertainment news, Taylor Swift crashed Ticketmaster as 14 million people hit the site at one time when she announced that the tickets to her new tour were going on sale. Now, I just got to say, huge props to T-Swift here, because this is something that is hard to do. She's been in the industry for how long? 15, 16 years? And she's maintained this amount of longevity? Huge props. That's unheard of in the music industry. Not to mention, Spotify also crowned her the most streamed artist in their history, They also crowned her latest album, Midnight, as the most streamed album in Spotify's history. So again, T-Swift is killing it across the boards. Huge props to her. It's a big accomplishment. Now, moving on from that, someone else also making huge headlines right now is Pete Davidson. Everywhere I look, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, he's there trending. More recently, it's because he's dating, apparently, Emily Ratajkowski, which if you don't know that name, you've probably seen her. She's a super big model. And everyone's shining light on the fact right now that Pete Davidson is getting with these obviously super attractive women. He is obviously not going to be America's next top model anytime soon. And people are pointing that out. Now, my thing is this. I find it really funny because I don't know if people are upset or they're confused or maybe even both. But to me, I just think he's like the bum of Hollywood, you know, like he doesn't carry himself the way you would expect a star to carry themselves. And that's all I really have to say about it. Again, it's pretty funny when you think about it, the amount of people that are getting triggered by Pete Davidson's dating history. But again, he can do what he wants to do. And props to him. Good on him, right? One of the things that I do find annoying, though, is that Pete Davidson has, for whatever reason, become one of these like pop culture obsessions, right? Where everyone's obsessed with Pete Davidson. He's all they want to talk about. You know, Leonardo DiCaprio was that person for a while. The person always rotates. It used to be Ariana Grande. It used to be Kylie Jenner. Like, it always changes. Right now, that person is Pete Davidson, which I find really interesting. Because you know what? I think he he might be a good comedian. I don't find him all that funny. But aside from that, like, what is he bringing to the entertainment industry? I really just don't know. But a true star recently did an interview, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, which I have a lot of respect for, by the way, talked about in a recent interview he did with Men's Health, why he'll never compare to Will Smith, Johnny Depp, Leonardo DiCaprio, George Clooney, any of those kinds. He talked about the pressures that he experienced moving out of the WWE and getting into real Hollywood, right? Getting into the real entertainment industry with acting. And I do have to say, Dwayne The Rock Johnson is the only person to successfully make it out of the WWE. He has built a huge career. He's been the highest paid actor for the past three years in a row, I believe. And he's killing it. Now, I think this was something important that he talked about because he was like, look, when I first got into acting, everyone's like, you know what? You need to lose weight. You can't be like this bodybuilder type actor. You're not going to be able to land the roles. They told him he needs to completely change his diet, change the way he acts, change the way he talks. And he was like, no, either they're going to accept me or they're not going to accept me. And it is what it is, which is completely fair. And I think we need people doing that in the industry. And it's great that he was like, you know what? Screw the status quo. I'm going to break the standard and I'm going to do things my way. And I do have to say, I think he's a great actor. I saw Black Adam, which was the first movie I went to a movie theater to actually see in a long time. I didn't think it was all that great, to be completely honest. But I can appreciate his ability. One of my favorite things that he did was Ballers, that TV show. 
on HBO. I think that was a great show, actually, a fantastic show. One of my favorites, not my favorite, but one of them. And, you know, he, he is a, he is a great actor. I can't say anything other than that. He is a great actor and he is a very hardworking individual. And that I really respect. Something that's making a lot of controversy with The Rock, though, is that people think that he's going to be running for president for some reason. Now, here's the thing, right? Just because someone's a very hard worker and a great entertainer doesn't mean they're going to be an amazing president. But he debunked this rumor in this latest interview with Men's Health. He said, look, I'm not running for president. I'm doing very well, but I'm not running for president. So I'm glad he put that one to rest. Now, moving on to current events, there's a lot going on. And one of the biggest things is that North Korea is starting to test fire new ballistic missiles that have intercontinental abilities. They can hit any part of the U.S. from east to west coast. Now, again, this is one of those things that I really think the media exacerbates, right? They kind of blow out of proportion and they do a little fear mongering. North Korea is a problem. They need it. We need to get that under control. But I don't think our lives are in imminent danger. I do have to say that. In other news, New York is having a huge snowstorm right now. Five feet of snow have already fallen. And this is in like the past 24 hours. And I do have to say, I mean, I'm a California person, right? I live in California. But I've always wanted to spend a, a winter, a holiday season in New York. I really have. Because nothing beats wearing a nice fall jacket, you know, a cool turtleneck, some nice slacks, some cool boots, you know, and then you're walking down the street. I'm thinking about in the fall, right? I'm walking down the street with my pumpkin spice latte, you know, the wind's blowing. It's kind of blowing my jacket a little bit. You see the fall leaves brushing over or in the snow. Like, come on. Does that not sound amazing? Some more really interesting news is Elizabeth Holmes was sentenced to 11 years in prison for the $9 billion Silicon Valley Theranos scandal. Now, for those of you that don't know, like I said, I live in California. You could call me a Silicon Valley native, right? I live in the heart of Silicon Valley. And this was a big thing. I think it was 2013 or 14 that happened. But people were calling this woman, Elizabeth Holmes, the next Steve Jobs, right? She basically created a device that would prick your finger and it would be able to do a full blood test and tell, tell you if you have any problems. And so the whole idea was this was going to be affordable enough for people to put in their house and they could consistently monitor their health at a low cost. So people were really under the impression that this was really going to revolutionize the healthcare space. To make a long story short, the company was raised at $9 billion. I think she raised a couple billion dollars and it ended up being a scam. It was a complete farce. I mean, she literally created this and fabricated the entire story. She was fabricating the demonstration. She got all this money. The employees came out and said that while they were working there, they were being consistently monitored. They couldn't use their phones. I mean, it was, it was insane. And this was debunked. It was proven. It was exposed for lack of better words. And she was sentenced officially just now to 11 years in prison. Now, someone that reminds me of Elizabeth Holmes is Elon Musk. And that doesn't mean I'm calling him a scam artist, but they have similar vibes. You know what I mean? Kind of prodigy revolutionary, except I think Elon Musk is a little bit more legit. Elon Musk just reinstated the Twitter accounts of Kathy Griffin, Jordan B. Peterson, and Babylon B. I don't know who Babylon B is, but apparently he's a big deal. Now, he is still deciding if he's going to reinstate President Trump, now, we don't know what's going to happen with that, but he did a poll and it's looking like most people are for Trump being reinstated, but he refused to reinstate Alex Jones, which I think was a very smart decision. We do not need more people like Alex Jones on Twitter. Now, this speaks to a big controversy going on, right? 
because everyone's talking about, well, you know, what's this, what's the real meaning of free speech on social media? How is that going to be monitored? What are going to be the checks and balances? And that's a really strong point, right? There has to be some checks and balances. You can't just allow people to say whatever they want whenever they want in the sense that we talk about inciting violence. We talk about things even in our day-to-day life, right? Like yelling fire in a crowded theater. These are things that are already illegal. And what I do respect about Elon Musk is he is trying to bring the real life standard of free speech to social media. But that is a hell of a task. And it is a very, very grueling process. Elon has been under extreme fire from the media. They have called him a whole bunch of stuff, but what they're seeing is the real life struggle of someone who's trying to turn around a tech company. For those of you that don't know, Elon Musk acquired Twitter for 44 billion or something along those lines. He then fired over half of the staff He fired 3,500 employees, and he's now implementing pretty extreme culture changes, right? He sent out an email to them, and he said, look, here's a new process. No more remote work. Everyone needs to come into the office, and you're going to work some increased hours. And that's fair enough, right? And I think this is the idea that people who work outside of tech, they don't understand that tech, for the most part, is a pretty laid-back industry, right? As long as you're hitting your quotas and hitting the things you need to do, it's not super strenuous, Elon Musk is taking his SpaceX culture, his Tesla culture, and injecting it into Twitter. And this is either going to be a hit or miss, but it's too early to tell, to be completely honest. Now, when this news came out that he was going to do this intense culture change, they had mass resignations at Twitter. A lot of people were like, we're not doing this. They were like, we would rather resign than have to work under these circumstances. Because Twitter was very big on work from home culture and kind of do things at your own pace. And he's completely overhauling that. And now people got pissed off at Elon Musk because he fired all these people. Look, I have to say, I agree with the move. Twitter was losing $4 million a day, according to reports. They had way too much staff. They had way too many people. They were losing way too many money. Elon Musk came in. He said, this is not happening anymore. We do not need this many people. And you guys need to stop wasting money. So we need to do a walk back and kind of reverse engineer things and figure out how we're going to save money. Do I agree with how he fired people? No. Do I think he needed to do it? Absolutely. If he has any hope, if he has any chance of bringing Twitter back to a profitable company and really growing it like he wants to do, he wants to have it take be the number one social media platform. And honestly, I think that possibility is there if it's managed correctly. So this is the do or die moment. These next few months are going to show us what the future of Twitter is. We'll be able to see it pretty soon here as things start to come to fruition. Now on Twitter recently, the hashtags Twitter shutdown, Twitter is dead and hashtags along those lines were trending because people are like, look, all these people are quitting. And then it was so bad. So many people resigned that Elon Musk had to shut down the San Francisco HQ for a couple days and no one had access just because they were dealing with the impact of losing so many people. So we're going to see if he hires some some of the people back, if he loosens up on his policies. But I think, honestly, he is so deep into it, right? He needs to he needs to follow suit. He needs to continue with the, the course he's on and really tough it out. And if they can pull through on this, it'll be really good for the company. So moving into politics, obviously, things are crazy in the political landscape right now. And when we look at the ongoing results of the midterms, we see that the state Senate, the current tally for the new seats, is 48 seats Democrat. 49 seats Republican. Keep in mind, you need 51 seats for majority. At this point, it is almost guaranteed that the Democrats will have control in the new Senate. Now, the Republicans did take control of the House. They have 218 seats, but that only gives them control by a six-seat majority. And everything that's going on in the Republican Party right now, I honestly don't think that this is enough of a lead for them. 
I don't think that a six seat majority is enough for them because look at what's going on in the party. There's this ongoing fight we're seeing with the Trump Republicans and the establishment Republicans or the traditional Republicans, the rhinos, whatever you want to call them, the old guard. We're seeing this fight. And honestly, if the Republicans can't pull it together and get it together, they're not going to be able to pass anything in the House with this very small six seat majority. So I personally think they need to all get on the same page. Now, what we're seeing in general is that this was not the red wave that the GOP was hoping for. And there's a lot of speculation as to why that is. People are saying that it's because of Trumpism. Trumpism, in essence, is to blame for why the Republicans fared so poorly. And I don't really agree with that statement. Personally, I think the reason that the Republicans did horribly is not Trumpism as a whole, but specifically for the election denial. The election denial, I think, is the reason the Republicans did so poorly, because you look at it as a whole, right? Nine out of the 10 people that Trump endorsed who lost were election deniers. We saw that across the board. And really, people in this country are tired of hearing about the 2020 presidential election being a scam. Whether it was, it wasn't. There isn't sufficient evidence at this point. But let's just say in a theoretical world that it was, we need to move on. We need to start thinking about the future. You cannot move forward while looking back. And that is what the Republican Party is doing right now. They're too fixated on looking back and they think the American people care. But the truth is the people in this country do not care. I don't care enough. I'm, I'm talking about moving forward. What are you going to do for people tomorrow? I'm tired of hearing about what happened yesterday. And that's my general thoughts on it. Now, a lot of changes are happening in a bipartisan way, right? From the Democrats to Republicans, even independents, we see Nancy Pelosi is officially stepping down as Speaker of the House. She's not seeking re-election. And personally, I'm really happy about this because I think Nancy Pelosi's policy sucks. But I think that she's also way too old. You look at her, you look at Joe Biden, even Trump. These people are too old. They don't know what's going on in the modern day. If you don't know how to write a post on Instagram or how to post something on TikTok, then you shouldn't be telling me about social media policy. You know what I'm saying? And so I think we should really get someone in office. Honestly, if I had to choose like 35, 36, 37 years old, someone who is part of the younger generation, an older millennial, for lack of better terms, is what we need in the White House and what we need to start electing as senators. Now, one of the really big races that we're seeing in the midterms, because the results are not fully out 100 percent, right? There's still some ongoing races, but the biggest one is in Georgia. It's a battleground state. And currently going head to head is Herschel Walker, the Republican running and Randolph Warnock. There is going to be a runoff in the next couple of months, and this race is extremely, extremely close. What we saw is that they were both at around 49%. They were, I believe, under half a percent away from each other, so very close. And there was a libertarian running who took up 2% of the vote. And what that tells you is Herschel Walker has a serious chance of winning. It's very possible that he could win in this runoff because libertarians generally lean more right than left, and they'll probably vote for Herschel Walker over Randolph Warnock. I'm really curious to see, though, how Herschel Walker fares with all of this election denial that he's doing. Again, if I was Herschel Walker right now, I would stop the election denial, right? If Trump's going to endorse, endorse him, that's fine. There's still a lot of people that love Trump. But he needs to drop the election denial or he won't win. If I was him, that's what I'd do. If I were Randolph Warnock, I'd shore up. I would do everything, actually, to bait Herschel Walker into talking about the election denial because that's what will get him to almost a for sure loss. Another big race that we saw was in Arizona with the gubernatorial race. 
Carrie Lake, the Republican running versus Katie Hobbs. Now, Carrie Lake is the most backed by Trump candidate there was, right? People called her Trump in a dress, right? They said that she was a cleaner talking, more elevated version of Trump, kind of like DeSantis, but the female version. And so the Republicans were really backing her heavily in this. Now, I just want to preface this by saying that I'm not saying that there's any fraud that happened in the Arizona election. But what I am going to say is that the way they did that election was a mess. I mean, we saw a lot of issues, mainly being in Maricopa County, right? But it took them almost a week to count out these ballots when half of them, at least, were early, early mail-in ballots. And so this was botched. And when I looked on the news and I saw people literally saying that Maricopa County and the officials were doing a great job and people were working so hard, I was like, you guys are ridiculous. This was a mess. Florida counted 9 million votes in a single day and Arizona is taking a day to do 60,000 votes. I mean, it just doesn't add up. And one of the things that I didn't like about this race is Katie Hobbs is a Democrat running. She happens to be the current Secretary of State for Arizona. And she didn't recuse herself. And I just found that really inappropriate. I mean, if I'm running in an election and my job as secretary of state is to count, make sure the ballots are counted, I shouldn't be doing that. I shouldn't be running that. I should recuse myself. And I think she should have done that. I also didn't like how she refused to debate Carrie Lake. I mean, if you ask me, it should be a mandated requirement to debate your candidate. The people need to see what you think and how you can defend your points of views. Even John Fetterman in Pennsylvania debated Dr. Oz, who was a trained TV professional, and John Fetterman had a heart attack or a stroke not too many months before, and even he said, you know what, I'm going to pull it together, and I am going to debate this dude. Yet Katie Hobbs couldn't do it, and she's a career politician. Look, I just didn't appreciate that. On the front of Carrie Lake, I mean, I personally think she's going too far with the election denial, and I think that's why she might have lost. She is alleging that there is a lot of fraud going on. She is alleging that there's all these problems. And there is a lot of reports of voter suppression. But all of this is alleged. Carrie Lake refuses to concede. And she's saying, look, we have the brightest and the best legal team in this country working here on the ground in Arizona. And she's going to contest the results of this election because she's she believes fraud, there's fraud. Now, again, I'm not saying that there was fraud or that there wasn't fraud. But what I am saying is that it's a potential looking at how this was carried out in Arizona. They've had a history of poorly executed elections, but this just took it to a whole nother level. Now, staying on that Trump line, Donald Trump, the former President Trump, just announced his candidacy for President 2024. He is officially running for the United States President once again in 2024, and people freaked out over this. And this is one of those things, like, I understand if you don't like Trump. I really do. I, I don't like him either, right? I don't think he, he's a nice person. I don't like the way he conducts himself. However, there is something to be said about the difference between policy and the person. It's just without a shadow of a doubt, in my mind, Trump had better policy than Biden. Look at the direction of the country right now. Look at the direction of the country under Trump. The thing I do not like about Trump is he is way divisive of a figure. He splits the country in ways you couldn't even imagine, right? It drives people insane for whatever reason. And I don't like some of his policies, but he was actively getting things passed that he felt benefited his constituents, right? And he did have some good policy there. Joe Biden obviously is not mentally 100% there. I don't know if he has dementia. I'm saying that with all due respect, but there is something wrong. And so I don't like how the media makes it all about Trump. And they, they do tell a lot of lies about Trump. That's just the truth. And they don't call out Biden for all of the problems. Like it needs to be a two-way street. We need to have fair media. That's just my personal opinion. Look, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in this race. I would definitely recommend that Joe Biden not run because I think if it comes to Biden and Trump facing off again, 
Biden will almost surely lose. I mean, he was he is one of the lowest polling presidents in history. Only like 26 percent of Americans actually approve of where Biden has taken the country. Something I thought was really funny is that Michelle Obama like reaffirmed this. She refused in a recent interview to endorse Joe Biden for another term. They asked her if she would endorse him. She said she basically said no. And while if it comes down to it, right, and it's Biden versus Trump again, she will endorse Biden, right? It's aligned in her political interests, even though she's no longer in that world. It would align with her interests. But even her refusing to do it now just shows the obvious. The Democrats need to come up with a better candidate. And I honestly think that the right needs to get a better Republican than Trump. I think there is better options. You know what I'm saying? Like, if they want to shoe win, they would back up DeSantis. But look, DeSantis is still young, and I don't think he's going to leave governorship yet. I think he's going to let Trump ride it out and it's going to go whatever, whichever way it's going to go. But at the end of the day, I can say this with 100 percent confidence. This split and this divisiveness in the country will not end until Trump either wins and we do another four years, then he's out of the picture. Or if he loses and stops trying to run, as long as he's in the race, we're going to have a problem. So if he's going to win, he's going to win. And then four years of that and it'll be done. But we're going to see because Trump has started his own branch of politics. This Trumpism is real, right? Whether you like it or not, Trumpism is real. You see DeSantis, you see Kerry Lake. These are people who are not establishment Republicans and the policy that they propose and are putting out and executing is very much aligned with Trump's interest. And that's going to be it for today's episode. Don't forget, you guys can follow me on all platforms at It's Barris. I will see you in the next one. one no